Welcome back to the program. Final hour of the Bill Michaels Show. You are looking out uh, over the Happy Hoyle Campground Pool and the front drive here in Sturgis, South Dakota. And the front drive area and off into the distance of Full Throttle Saloon and the Harley-Davidson display and such. Uh, so thanks to wa- for watching over on the Bud Light live stream. And uh, to those of you listening all throughout the great state of Wisconsin, whether it's in Menominee, Marinette, or our friends uh, listening to us in Eau Claire, Platteville, Madison, saying hi to everybody. We certainly appreciate it as well. Aaron Rodgers, um, this week there's just a lot of things that have gone on, and we kind of want, we didn't get a chance to kind of expound upon a lot of it. I wanted to talk about it. So Aaron Rodgers, first of all, he uh, if you saw the quote, the, the picture, the quote, uh, ultimate feather in your cap, uh, he was asked specifically, what was the deal with that feather in his helmet at practice last week? I just found it on the ground and didn't think it was going to stick around the entire practice. But, yeah, I just found it on the ground, put it in my helmet. No. Unless somebody, you know, unless some animal drops a different type of feather on the field. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> that was it. The feather in the cap. Stayed in there the entire practice. He was surprised. Oh, well. Uh, so why did Aaron Rodgers take Tuesday off, the Veterans Day, just to say I'm going to you know, not do anything, I'm going to leave this up to the young guys? I told Matt, I said, I'm never going to ask for a vet, de- a vet day. But I think I am the oldest player on the team. And if he was you know, thinking about it, uh, this week being the, probably the most difficult week with uh, Sunday – indoors and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday pads basically that I wouldn't mind it. Uh, that being said, the work that goes on in the Hudson Center when they're outside is probably more strenuous than the practice, so not exactly a vet day when it comes to the cardio. So you get the vet day and you're not out there doing drills, you're not in pads, but you're gonna you're gonna keep up your strength, your conditioning, and that's exactly what they did. Um but I like how he says, I'd never ask for one. But, you know, if you want to give one, it might not be a bad idea to do it today. Uh, you know, look, Rogers, you know, you're, you're hanging on to the technicality of I've never asked for a vet day. But every now and then you probably look and nod and go, you know what, I couldn't, I could probably use one today. So, uh, and he, look, he, he knows it. And when it comes to his strength and conditioning, he works pretty hard in the offseason. We've talked numerous times about what he's changed over the few last few years, working on his legs, being more nimble, making sure he has strength and stamina come the end of the season. So he's got a much better base and platform to throw from. In the meantime, so how much does it help Jordan Love when he decides to take a day off, a vet day, if you will, how much does it help to give Jordan Love extra reps with the first-team offense? And I'm going to respond to this. Take a listen. Well, I think a lot of, a lot of good has happened from – you know, me breaking my toe last year gave him a lot of opportunities to take the one reps in practice. But as much as in this year, you've seen the fundamentals really start to kind of come together. Year three, two to three is always an interesting year from development for a quarterback. I know I took a big jump, one, two, and two to three. But Tom Clements, I think, deserves a lot of credit for harping on the fundamentals in the way that he always did for me as a young player. And it seems to be sticking in for Jordan. And, you know, he's, he's been having good practices. And anything, any chance he gets to take, you know, the majority of the reps like today is, is always a good opportunity. Now, 
what he said there in the beginning to me was more poignant when he said, look, yeah, it, it helps him, but breaking his toe last year and giving Jordan love from the, the week of the Kansas City game where Aaron Rodgers was deemed out because uh, of the whole vaccination, unvaccinated type of stuff. Okay, remember he ended up with COVID. So for Aaron Rodgers, that period of time, from that point on, Jordan Love was, in essence, the starter and starters reps all season from week, I think it was like week nine. So, yeah, you know what? It's not bad to get the reps and do things now like this. I I, I get it, but he's been getting this for a long time. Sometimes you forget that Jordan Love has been there three years. Sometimes you forget that he did get all the starters reps in practice. They know what this guy's got. They know what he's worked on. They know what his weaknesses are. They know what he needs to improve. So, yeah, it, it helps. But, you know, for some people to walk in and go, hey, do you think it helps him? It's like, stop. He's been getting the, he's been getting the majority of starters reps for a long time now. How much can you tell from practice how much Jordan Love has improved from last year to this year? Well, I mean, I, I've said it before. I, I think the practice reps are as important as, as the preseason reps. Preseason you know, you want to be efficient, you want to look good, but there's almost an expectation of playing well because it's very limited defense usually. Now, we used to play Tennessee back in the day, and they played their starters. That was more of a game-like situation. We usually got hammered our second and third teams playing against them, but um, it's it's a lot more vanilla on defense. So I think the practice reps, a day like today, you know, it's good film from the watch going against our one defense. Obviously, it's been very difficult for us uh, throughout training camp, so... But it just comes down to consistency with the fundamentals. When he throws the ball on time and in rhythm, he's been very accurate this camp. Um, it's just finding ways to be more consistent, you know, every single time with those fundamentals. And, and it's been, you know, I feel like it's been kicking in for him. He's been playing well. Ben, do you get the sense that a lot of these questions regarding Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love, I, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm probably going, hey, you want to ask me some questions about me? about this team rather than just about whether or not Jordan Love's good enough to take my job? I mean, I think Aaron's done a pretty good job of being very diplomatic about it, but at some point you got to say, hey, guys, I'm still the quarterback here, right? Yeah, I I do see that with what he's been asked. I also think going into this year, much of what he's going to do is kind of known. Like we know the level he's going to play at. We know his commitment to the team and the front office at this point. So I guess the only unknown you can ask him about is love. I kind of get it, but I see where you're coming from. I I just – all of these questions he has to, has to answer about Jordan, he's not a coach. He's the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. And it's almost like with all these questions – I'm not saying anybody's pushing him out. Don't get me wrong. But, it, you know, if I'm Aaron, at some point you say, you know what, guys, I'm still the quarterback here. You can ask me about Jordan Love. I, I guess that's okay, but, you know – why? I'm still quarterbacking here. I haven't gone anywhere. I haven't retired. I haven't said I'm leaving anytime soon. You know, I've said it's a year-to-year thing, but, you know, I don't know. It's just he was asked, though, the biggest test for this first-team offense when he's under center next week during the joint practices against the Saints. I mean, I think it's every day that we go against our ones. You know, I said it day one, no pads. We had a pretty good day since then. Defense has been pretty good just about every other day. And it's important for us to take our lumps because there's a lot of positions that are up for grabs. Uh, up front, you know, at, at the tackle position with, with Dave and, 
at Elton, you know, nursing their injuries and coming back whenever they can. Tight end, there's a lot of opportunities. Running back behind AJ and and Aaron, there's a lot of opportunities. Uh, receiver, a lot of opportunities. So this is this is great film and great practice going against that defense. Um, Saints will be interesting. You know, you never know what you're going to get. When we played the Texans a couple years ago, it was very basic stuff. Uh, they I mean, I remember a period in the red zone, they were dropping eight like every single play. I'm like, what are we doing here? <laughs> are we actually getting some work in? But then last year against the Jets, you know, I feel like it was pretty pretty intense. Uh, they ran some different stuff. You know, that was maybe the familiarity with uh, Coach Sala and, and, and Coach LaFleur. But we'll see what happens. The Saints... You know, and Dennis, they've been very aggressive defense, so we'll see how they play in the, in the two days we're together. Hopefully, we don't have a lot of fights, but I would assume there's going to be a couple. So that was one of the things Brian Gutekinst alluded to today was, one, you obviously don't want it, you want it to be chippy, but you don't want to lose focus as to what the you know you're trying to do, and that is get your work in. And the other aspect of that is, yeah, you don't want your opponent nor you not to play the way you would play, because otherwise, what are you doing? You're just you're just kind of dancing. It's it's a it's a Pro Bowl game, and that's not what football is. So it's it's going to be interesting next week when the Saints come to town to see if it actually turns out to be uh, a worthwhile endeavor for the Green Bay Pack and for the Saints for that matter. So what's the process um, when he talked about some of the position packages that are open? Wide receiver, obviously, being one of them. What is the process? Um, in in Rogers' take, if you will, for when they have to, I want to say, break in a new rookie wide receiver, a new receiver off the street. Well, you got to trust the coaching first and foremost. So I need to have a lot of conversations with with Jason and make sure we're on the same page. So the thing that's being taught is the thing that I want to see on the field. Jason does a really good job at that, which is important. You got to trust the leaders in the room. Uh, you know, specifically Randall and Allen to pass the message along the right way, and then you got to hold them accountable. And when you get reps with us, you, know, you want to see the right, the right stuff. That being said, you know, you're going to coach the second team and the third team just as, just as much because you never know who's going to be in that spot. Alan Lazard was working in the yellow group for a while, and you know, you're watching that film just like you're watching the green group and the first group. We need to see consistency from those guys. And there's a lot of different aspects to earning the trust of the quarterback, whether I'm playing or Jordan's playing in the preseason here. You want to see the guys doing the right stuff. And it's it's little things. It's it's the stem on the routes. It's, it's uh, the, what they're doing at the top of the route. It's a scramble drill. It's the adjustments. It's being alert for the signals. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it, and, and we're going to be hard on them and, and coach them hard. And if you're talking to a, if I'm talking to a guy, that, that's a good thing. If I'm getting on a guy, it's a good thing. If I'm not talking to you, uh, that's not the best. You, you want me to be to be critiquing and coaching you up and and letting you give me some good feedback. And I've been trying to with as many guys as as I feel like uh, you know have an opportunity to be a part of this squad. That goes back to remember it was last year I think it was when he got mad or was it last year a couple of years ago when he called it uh, called the wide receiving core piss poor. And he, it was more about effort or lack thereof. And that's when he's like, I just throw my hands in the air. Because, you, you know, effort, you, you, you can't coach effort. Effort comes from the heart. So his big thing is coaching the guys up and coaching them hard. So uh, we were talking about this earlier. You know, I, Aaron Rodgers not playing in this first contest against San Francisco. Question whether or not he plays against the uh, Saints. Uh, but what is his reaction going to be if Matt LaFleur says, hey, 
Uh, the final preseason game, yeah, we're we're going to play everybody, including you, Aaron. What would he What would he say, to Coach? I don't see any benefit to it. I definitely don't see any benefit to playing one series. Um, you know, if we're going to play, we should play and play a quarter, a couple series, two or three series. If we're going to just suiting up for four plays, to me, is a waste. So, and I'm not saying this to send a message to Matt. I've already told Matt the same thing. So we'll, we'll see what happens when we when we get there. Um, it'd be nice if that were the case, if Kansas City was playing some of the guys too. But, you know, when you have a, a stinker like we did last year in week one, there's always going to be the second guessing of what happened at training camp. Should we have played more? Should we have played in the first game, the second game, whatever it might be. Um, I don't want to overreact to that. Matt doesn't either. But if we feel like we need to go out there and play a quarter or, or more, you know, that'll be Matt's call. I'm sure he'll lean on me and Big Dog and and Allen and some of the older guys uh, to see what they're thinking. But if we play, we should play and not just play three plays, three runs, and punt it. That doesn't do anything for any of us. I, uh, I, that's incredibly interesting because I've been saying the same thing. If you're going to play, play. Play play them a half. You know, play them three, four series. But don't just run them out there for, you know, three, three plays and a punt or, or what have you and just try to pick up a first down and – and then go from there and say, well, they played six plays total. It, that, that, that doesn't do anybody any good. Um, I agree with him. He did kind of insinuate, though, that Matt's going to lean on us. And in the very beginning of that question, he said, I don't see the point in it. He's not a fan of playing in the preseason as a veteran, specifically as somebody who knows a lot of it. The one thing you cannot teach between himself and some of the other guys is chemistry in live action. So that's the only benefit you get from that. So does the risk outweigh the reward in playing veterans in the preseason? He responds to that question. That's, I mean, that's the question. You know, there's injuries in football all the time. So I think it's kind of a no-win situation to the outside of the building. I mean, if somebody gets hurt, oh, I can't believe they played our guys. But if we go out and have a stinker, I can't believe they didn't play them. So... I think it just you just got to do what's best for for the squad, and Matt's going to do that. He's going to lean on you know the leaders of the football team, and if he feels like we need to go out and play, then we'll go out and play. But I don't want to just go out and play three plays. That to me is a waste of time. So there you go. That was Aaron Rodgers. I want to get back into this when we come back. We're going to take a quick break, but uh, a lot of things to discuss. Uh, I do go back to what he said last year about the stinker against the Saints. I don't think. You're going to repeat that in the sense of ill-prepared because I think last year against the Saints in that first game was a giant lesson learned. You don't just roll the helmets out first game of the season. If you don't take it serious, you're going to get an ass whooping, and you're going to get embarrassed, and that's what happened to them last year, especially first game of the season against a team like the Vikings. You know what I mean? So uh, we'll get back into this. How critical is it? Uh, and we'll talk about this when we come back, to uh, keep a number of wide receivers, five, six, seven, eight, whatever it happens to be. Aaron Rodgers will answer that question when we return. Stay tuned. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Forgotten Fire Winery. ForgottenFireWinery.com. Up in Peshtigo, Wisconsin. Go in and ask for the Bill Michael Special. If you're there, uh, they've got uh, entertainment on the weekends. They've got different wines, reds, whites, dessert wines. Have some ciders, and the ciders are going to be coming up big time once we get into the uh, fall months as well. Ask for them by name at your local grocery store, your liquor store, your wine store. 
really, and they're local, and really good wines, award-winning wines, local, right out of the state of Wisconsin. Go to ForgottenFireWinery.com. That is ForgottenFireWinery.com. More of the Bill Michael Show next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. Hey, I want to tell you about a company real quick in the state of Wisconsin called Pindell, P-I-N-D-E-L. Go to Pindell.com, not only a quality machining and manufacturing company you might want to work with, but uh, maybe work for. Work with in the sense of uh, their employees really are the backbone of their company. They believe in their employees. They want to educate their employees. They want to help their employees, train their employees to uh, not only uh, enjoy a job, but enjoy the career that it is. And if you aspire to be even bigger and better and want to move on, uh, they're the company that uh, says, hey, look, uh, the, the more quality machining manufacturing companies that go around and employees that work with them, the better off they are. They believe in helping out their employees. So by all means, if you're looking for a career, a terrific job, and a terrific company, go to Pindell, P-I-N-D-E-L.com. That's Pindell.com. And uh, check them out. They're right there in uh, New Berlin, Wisconsin. So uh, Aaron Rodgers was asked, you know, when it comes to the wide receiving core, on a 53-man roster, is there a specific number you really like, five, six, seven wide receivers carrying on the roster? No, I don't think so. I think it's we need to have the 53 most deserving players on the team. There's been years we've kept five tight ends. There's been years we've kept seven receivers. Years we've kept four or five backs. It's got to be the 53 most deserving now there's obviously you know some stuff that goes into that, uh, where guys are drafted, different things like that, which we know in Green Bay plays into it. But uh, there'll be a, there'll be some tough cuts, which is good. There'll be some tough cuts at a number of different positions. Receiver, with the way Rich is doing things, we need guys who are playing teams at that four, five, and six receiver spot. So whoever's balling out on teams should probably get those four, five, and six spots. Did you catch what he said? I don't think it's kind of a backhanded comment, but basically saying, you know, eh, you take the best, that the, the most deserving, as he put it. You know, but sometimes that plays into it, say, uh, draft choice and such, and we know in Green Bay. Now, you don't need to throw that in unless you have a feeling. You know what I mean? There's certain things you know you don't say. You don't have to say certain things in your uh, in your verbiage. If uh, you don't want to make a point, and his point was, there's some guys that were taken because of their draft choice that made the squad who weren't deserving. They didn't deserve to be on the team. So he emphasizes, look, if you're going to be on this squad, it doesn't matter. If we have five, six, seven wide receivers. With the way Rich, Rich Masaccia, the uh, special teams coordinator, is doing things, you got to be good on teams. If you're not going to be one of the top two or three guys via depth chart. You got to be good on teams, special teams. You got to make a name for yourself there, and that's the way you make this squad. You better be damn good in that area. And I, I agree with him. But he takes a little bit of kind of a swipe to say there's been some guys that they've drafted that have been crap, and they still made this squad, and they shouldn't have. Players recognize that when you're hanging. Players know. Players know the good, the bad. Players know the effort. They see it. Uh, so what does a guy like, say, Malik Taylor, 
uh, Torre, what are the, what do those wide receivers need to show in reps with Aaron Rodgers to make this team? They're not going to be playing with me a whole lot, so they got to ball out when they get opportunities and and listen and pay attention and, and do things the right way. The the drops are going to happen. The you know guy slips might happen, but what can't happen if you want to be on the team is is the mental part, the preparation. I think is and the effort. You know, those are things that come from within. So as long as you're showing effort and you're getting after it and you're doing the right thing, you got a good chance to make the team. But four, five, six, seven's got to be playing on teams and got to be playing well. I want to go back to the comment that uh, he had about the, quote, piss-poor performance, go back a few years. And that was one of the things that he had talked about specifically when you talk about making the team. It's And when I had mentioned it earlier, if he's not talking to you, then that's not a good thing. It's because there's a level of frustration there. He knows it. He sees it, just like the coaching staff does. It's not necessarily about being the most talented. Sometimes it's about giving the best effort. Here's what he had to say. That group had a, had some lapses in effort from time to time. And I probably am a little gentler, as Kabi would say. But the effort hasn't really been an issue. The mental part, for sure, there's been some real strange mental errors from time to time but they do it quickly you know they do it with speed that day as I remember it was just a total lack of effort which was bizarre to me because I love the Carter periods and it's a chance to go out and dice them up with other people's plays and and the ad lib and the, you know just go full speed and, and make some plays these guys they bust it they for sure bust it and they're all talented athletically but mentally, there's been some lapses for sure. Yeah, a lot of it's great. I was sitting down at lunch with, with uh, Romeo yesterday. And, you know, there are a couple plays that, that he would love to have back. And I said, it's the best thing that could happen. Because I'd rather it happen, you know, on a Monday in August than on a game day in September. You know, he had a play where he was supposed to let Ja go and block probably 59, who was coming out on a blitz. He went to get Ja. It looked really bad. And I'm like, this is the best thing that can happen. Now, how do we correct that is the next time the situation comes up, we got to do the right thing. But mistakes are going to happen. And the most important thing is to learn from those mistakes, not make repeat mistakes. There's been too many of those, I think, from some of those guys who are on the, really on the bubble to make the squad of, you know, scramble drill alerts and making sure you know the signals and the adjustments and kind of like expecting those things. And, but that's a process. You know, first you got to be an expert of what you're doing and then be able to feel the timing of the adjustments or the cans or what I might be thinking or how to read a coverage. And that's why I said in the beginning, we need to have a lot of patience and the expectations need to be reasonable. But I will say between 88 and 87, there's been a lot of positive things that uh, makes you feel good about the depth we could have in that room. So there you go, Aaron Rodgers talking about, uh, you know, that lack of concentration, but more so the effort that is going on now and inside that receiver room and the, what, what they're looking for, so to speak. So anyway, let's do this. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. And Andy Herman of the Pack-A-Day podcast is going to be joining us. We'll talk with him about what he has seen. We'll talk with him about what he is looking for come Friday night. 
We'll talk with him about any concerns and maybe camp surprises as well on the positive side of things in regards to the Green Bay Packers and such. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends over there at Sunset Grill in Pewaukee. Stop over, whether it's to stop by and grab a drink. Maybe if you're on your boat on Pewaukee Lake, the docks are out. The deck is uh, beautiful. They have music over there almost uh, each and every weekend. Stop by and uh, even catch a game. That's Sunset Grill in Pewaukee on Pewaukee. Stop in and tell them we said hi. So uh, by all means, uh, great people over there. Let's do this. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We're going to come back, talk with Andy Herman of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. That is coming up next on the Bill Michael Show. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Bill Michael's show continues uh, live here in Surges, South Dakota. Back, uh, back at home, don't forget about our friends at the Social House, H-A-U-S. Dan Dellen, the whole staff, waiting to serve you right there on Lisbon Road in Menominee Falls. Great place. Can't wait to get back home and start frequenting all over again. A lot of travel going on. Going to be many different areas. Obviously, football season's travel heavy, but I love it when I get a chance to get back home and start uh, getting back into the norm, if you will. Of where we all like to hang out, and uh, whether it's Social House, Stenny's, Stoley's, Hog Alley, whatever, all of them love uh, love uh, getting back into the norm, so to speak. Uh, so uh, get over there, and support them. That's Social House, H A U S, Social House. In the meantime, Andy Herman of the Packet Day Podcast joining us uh, on the hotline. So Andy, uh, let let's start with first and foremost, what you've seen that has impressed you about this training camp. Yeah, that's a great place to start, and I, I would be remiss to start anywhere besides the defensive line, and really, I guess, the defensive front in general. Uh, I feel like this defensive line has been as strong and as stout as we've seen in a training camp in a very long time, maybe going back uh, to the Packers' 2010 season. Uh, I just think that they're going probably at least five deep right now with this defensive front. Dean Lowry's had a good camp. Kenny Clark's been Kenny Clark. Uh, but you see Jerron Reed really making impact plays day after day after day, getting in the backfield, holding up at the point of attack. T.J. Slayton's taking a jump, and well, I think Devontae Wyatt's still going through some of the you know rookie growing pains. You can see some of the flashes from him as well. Even guys like Jack Heflin and Jonathan Ford have been impressive against the second team. So uh, those guys in the middle, and then guys like Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith uh, setting the edge on the outside, that has been a very tough front for this Packers offense to try to get around. Now the, the next question is, you mentioned the outside linebacking core. I was talking about this earlier with, uh, with Cassidy, and, and – there isn't a lot of depth. Do you believe that the outside linebacker, the backup outside linebackers for the Green Bay Packers, are they on this roster or not on this roster? Yeah, I think they will be to begin with. I think that's probably one of those areas that Brian is going to probably evaluate through preseason and then even maybe the beginning of the regular season. Uh, but, you know, there's there's good news and there's bad news here, right? Because I think, you know, you look at some of these guys, Jonathan Garvin's put together, I would say, four or five days back-to-back of uh, really impressive play, setting a really strong edge, getting pressures on the outside. Ladarius Hamilton a few days ago had a fantastic day of practice where he had, uh, I think, a, a sack, a pressure that led to an interception, a couple stops in the backfield. He's looked impressive at times earlier in camp. Uh, Tipa had a couple really good days. And I think the question just remains of like, all right, have have guys like Ladarius Hamilton and Tipa and Jonathan Garvin actually taken a little bit of a jump and can they be relied upon as edge rushers three, four, and five? Or 
Uh, is it the offensive line that continues to have issues specifically at the tackle? Um, there have been struggles from Royce Newman and Cole Van Lannan, Yash Nyman, et cetera. So uh, I think that stuff is going to get, you know, sort of, you know, vetted out a little bit more come preseason and start a regular season. But uh, right now, I think what, you know, Garvin and Hamilton, and especially those two, you've got a fifth round pick in Kingsley and Igbare who's shown a couple flashes. Um, I think they'll start with those guys as the backups and then make adjustments as needed. So uh, I want to go to the uh, secondary of the defense. Uh, Darnell Savage Jr. goes down with a hamstring injury. We don't believe it's going to be uh, any length of time that's going to keep him out, say, of the season uh, in the beginning or anything like that. But the depth in the secondary, the depth is uh, specifically at safety. I like the way he hits and the way he plays aggressively. Do they have backups at safety that can give you the same level of play? Yeah, I don't think necessarily the same level of play as an Amos and a Savage. You know, Savage has been up and down the last couple of seasons. I thought he had a really great 2020. I thought he had a tough 2021. So I think everyone's sort of hoping he can get back to the way he played in 2020. Uh, but, it, you know, today's practice was a phenomenal example of a couple of young guys taking advantage of opportunities. Sean Davis had two picks, one of Jordan Love and then one of Aaron Rodgers. He, he made a perfect read, undercutting her out against Jordan Love, and then uh, caught a pass that was overthrown towards Romeo Dobbs a bit later. And then two-minute drill uh, to end the game. Um, there was a couple, actually, opportunities. Vernon Scott, there was another pass that got air middle a little bit that went off of Vernon Scott's hands. But at the very end of practice uh, on a two-minute drill, uh, Vernon Scott skies over, and uh, you know it looked like Sammy Watkins had a step on, air, uh, on uh, Stokes on the play. And uh, Scott, you know, again, gets sideline to sideline and, and, and gets to the football and picks off the pass to end practice and get a win for his defense. So uh, today was a really good sign for those two safeties. Those two have been the ones that have been battling the most for that backup safety spot. I think Dallin Levitt has a really great chance to make it as more of a special teams guy slash probably number five-ish safety. But um, I think that number three and four spot are very much up for grabs with Scott and Davis really in the lead right now. How uh, has Tariq Carpenter looked? Yeah, he's, he's going through some of the rookie battles a little bit. And I think they're going to have to sort of figure out, all right, can he actually stick at safety or do they maybe need to make a transition to linebacker? Um, I would be pretty shocked if he's not a practice squad guy. I don't think he has much chance of getting on the 53 unless he balls out the next three preseason games. Um, and I would be surprised if they just gave up on a seventh-round pick. So I think this is going to take, you know, maybe like a Jake Hansen sort of uh, situation where, you know, Hansen, you know, kind of came in his rookie year, uh, got released, didn't make the team, got back on the practice squad, and now Hansen's fighting for a starting spot on the offensive line this year. So, and that was a couple years later, absolutely, you know, actually. So I think uh, this is going to be for Carpenter something that he probably is going to have to learn on the practice squad and figure out if he's a safety or a linebacker, and then uh, probably see a couple years down the line if he can sort of cut it on the 53. Talking with Andy Herman of the Pack a Day podcast, you can find him at Andy Herman NFL over on Twitter. Uh, so we talk a lot about the depth of this team, obviously. And Aaron Rodgers alluded to it that if you're going to make the team, you got to be part of the 53 in the sense that you can ball out on teams, meaning special teams. So who has been impressive, and how much better do you think, just by the look of this group schematically changing things up with Rich Passaccia, how much better do you think the special teams could actually be? Yeah, I think there's some good news and there's some bad news here. So I think the good news is 
the coaching staff is and, and their attention to detail and how they're going about things, you can tell there is a much greater intensity. There is a much greater purpose. Uh, how they're going through things with the attention to detail has been really, really impressive. And um, I would just be rather shocked if you don't see improvement in some capacity, uh, just based on the time, effort, energy, and attention to detail that they're putting in on special teams. You can tell these coaches very much know what they're doing, and it's been a very pointed approach. And I think the players have really responded well to that. Um, some guys have looked good uh, in punt returns. Amari Rogers looks better. Romeo Dobbs is competing for that spot as well. Um, I think those two could add some juice this season from a, uh, a group that struggled to, to return punts a season ago. And Amari just looks a lot more decisive than he was uh, last year. And then, uh, you know, Keyshawn Nixon, he just got back to practice, but you can already tell he's going to be one of those core special teams guys, takes it very, very seriously. Um, so I think there's, there's a lot of positives in that regard. I think on the flip side, the long snapper situation is far from sorted out. Steven Wordle got released today, uh, which leaves Jack Coco. Coco's been up and down. I think he was definitely better than Wordle. There was no question about that, uh, but still uh, a little bit, inconsistent at times. So, it, you know, the question remains if the, the long snapper on the season is on the roster. Mason Crosby is hurt. Uh, Burkich has been very inconsistent. Um, if all of a sudden Crosby's not willing to, or able to go, I should say, uh, week one, um, that would make things uh, a little bit interesting from a kicking standpoint. And I think Pat O'Donnell, like today, he was awesome. I'd say probably about like four or five of the, the live punting days. He's been amazing. He's had one day that was a little bit tough. You see some breakdowns here or there. So this is going to be a little bit of a learning curve for a lot of the guys on special teams, but I'd be shocked if they weren't better than they were a season ago. Well, let's start with some of the injuries. You mentioned Mason Crosby, which we really don't talk about because we just assume he's going to be there. He's going to be ready to go. But Mason Crosby, obviously Bakhtiari. There's Elton Jenkins, Robert Tanyan. Uh, you know, there's Christian Watson. So let's talk about the injuries first. What do you expect out of Mason Crosby? When do you think you're going to see him back on the practice field? Yeah, it's tough to say. It seems like there isn't a ton of concern right now, but you know, he did he did some light kicking. Uh, you know, interestingly enough, with a soccer ball at practice the other day, um, he looked good. He, you know, it didn't seem like there was any hiccup or anything that he was doing. So hopefully, he's back sooner rather than later. And like I said, you know, the fact that they haven't added uh, maybe more competition or tried another kicker out would maybe lead you to believe uh, that this is a situation where Crosby's going to maybe be back sooner rather than later. Uh, but again, it just sort of remains to be seen. You never quite know with some of these injury issues. So then you go to Christian Watson, and obviously he's falling further and further behind each and every day that he can't get on the practice field. Dubs is looking incredible. Uh, so what about Christian Watson? Where do you think he – just for the fact that he just hasn't been able to get on the field because of the injury, where does he fit into this mix? Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see. I, I, from what I've heard, he's a really, really smart guy that is able to pick up on things relatively quick. I think hopefully that serves him well. And, you know, he's, he's an explosive player that brings a different dimension to, I think, the team than any, really anyone else that they have on offense. I think he's going to be the guy that has the ability to stretch the defense. I think he's the guy that could take a shallow crosser and maybe take it, you know, 50, 60 yards downfield with his speed. Uh, I think he could potentially be a kick returner down the line at some point if they wanted to go in that direction. I think he can be used as a gadget player. So I think there's going to be ways that uh, even if he's a little bit behind the eight ball, that they can slowly work him in with different packages that would use his skill set to the best of their advantage, whether that's, you know, sort of MBS as a rookie where he's running a lot of nine routes, even just to be a decoy on the outside and maybe get the um, random ball every now and again, or again, even if he's used like a Tyler Irvin, you know, a couple of years ago, where he's in some of those gadget plays, I think there's ways to work him in without having to sort of overload him while he does sort of get back in the process. I think there's still some hope that he gets back early, you know, early in the season or maybe even end of training camp. 
And then one of the weapons they are counting on at some point, that's going to be Robert Tanya. They're going to need him to come back and be that be that bigger weapon, the guy that can maybe split a defense, go down the middle and be a, a red zone guy. When do you expect to see him back in the practice field? Yeah, same sort of thing with Watson. I think, you know, you always get a little bit of a tell when guys start doing a little bit more rehab work. And guys like Kylan Hill, Elton Jenkins, Robert Tunyon, those guys have been doing a lot of rehab work from pretty much day one. So uh, you never, like I said, you never quite know for sure, uh, you know, when those guys are going to get back. And to be fair, David Bakhtiari at this point a a season ago looked pretty darn good in the rehab group, and we all know how that went. So you never want to put too many expectations on things, but – Tunyon and uh, Tunyon, Kylan Hill and Elton Jenkins are the probably the three that uh, you know are consistently doing things with the rehab group and again to an untrained, unmedical eye look pretty darn good with where they're at right now. Kylan Hill, bring him, I wanted to bring him up because he was he was a pretty solid kick returner. Uh, you know, I mean that's the way he really kind of you know made a name for himself. Where do you see him in this mix when he comes back? Yeah, I think, you know, whether they put him on kick return right back from coming, you know, from back from injury would, you know, be interesting. And uh, I'd be intrigued to see if they put him back there again, because that's how he suffered the injury. And, you know, sometimes for a, a young player, that can be something that you know, just takes a little bit more, you know, a confidence after having an injury like that happen. Uh, but I think the thing that people forget about Kylan Hill is even despite the fact that they had Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon at running back and were already trying to find, you know, enough touches for those two guys. They created packages specifically for Kylan Hill to get him involved in the offense. That's how much they thought of Kylan Hill. It wasn't just like we need to get a third guy on the field. This was we need to get Kylan Hill on the field some in some capacity because we think he can make plays for us. That's how they felt about him, and unfortunately he goes down to the, due to injury. He had a really nice kick return, as you mentioned, a season ago, 40-plus yarders. I think their best return on the season. So he has a lot of juice, and I think there is something that he can bring to the table. To me, he would easily be the number three running back um, had he, you know, if he was totally healthy, but uh, we'll see if he has to start on the pup list or not. Good stuff, man. I appreciate it, and uh, we're going to talk more uh, probably after the game on Friday, but uh, a lot to look for coming up on Friday night with a lot of guys trying to make this team and add depth to a, an awkward special teams coming off of last season. Andy, always good, buddy. I'll talk to you soon, okay? Can't wait. Thanks so much, Bill. There you go. Andy Herman of the Packet A Podcast and this portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Stenny's. Second and National, Walker's Point. Uh, they are the cheers of Milwaukee, the best sports bar. Home of the Bill Michaels garlic cheese bread and in addition to that, the best wings you're ever going to stick in your grill and an award-winning Bloody Mary, that has won award year after year after year after year after year. They just continue to win. They're that good. Stop in a steady second in National Walker's Point, plus they run shuttles to all the games. Badgers, Bucks, Brewers, Packers, all that kind of stuff. Admirals, downtown Milwaukee. They do it. That's our friends at Stenny's. Going to wrap it up. Coming up next in the Bill Michael Show. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, a training camp update. In Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers held practice, and once again, the starting defensive backs are challenging the Packers' wide receivers. All-pro Jair Alexander getting physical with wide receiver Alan Lazard, who is on the NFL Network. It's always intense. You know, we just had a discussion, like, the other day. He had kind of threw me to the ground trying to strip the ball and stuff. I'm like, hey, man, you got to keep me up. He's like, hey, you know, whenever we go against each other, it's a live rep every single time. Jair is is an extremely talented player, a great person, and, you know, I think he demands the best out of me every single day, and I know that he's only making me better. 
Jair, Rasul Douglas, Eric Stokes, all deflecting passes or getting interceptions. Wide receiver Sammy Watkins on dealing with the DBs. I have no choice but to get better. Um, Josh's not going to take a day off. Eric Stokes and all the number of other guys, they're going to go out there and push him every day to be the elite wide receivers that we want to be. Matt LaFleur says defensive back coach Jerry Gray is doing a good job of getting the most competitive matchups in practice. First of all, within our team, we always highlight and we make it a competitive period and show it to the whole group, to the whole team in the team meeting. But no, certainly you, you want your better players going against one another because that's how they get better. And, you know, I'll tell you what, our DBs, they came to play yesterday. All of them. They looked really good. That's Packers head coach Matt LaFleur. In Green Bay, I'm Mike Clemens on The Bill Michaels Show. We're live. We're in Sturgis, South Dakota. Warm day, breezy day, good day. Rides going on. We'll be the rest of the week. Coming up uh, tomorrow night, uh, if you're here, you're going to catch us on stage at the Full Throttle. Looking forward to that. Talking to the crowd prior to the uh, 30th anniversary of, uh, of Jackal taking the stage and dropping their first album. So we're looking forward to that tomorrow night. Uh, going to be a long ride today down the Crazy Horse. Uh, we're going to do that today, I'm pretty sure. So follow some of the pictures and such over on the uh, Facebook fan page. I'll try to drop some on Instagram, maybe drop a few via uh, Twitter as well. But uh, if you follow the show, it's a great way to kind of pay attention to things. Um, Speaking of paying attention, Ben, if you're going to pick the last team to absorb a loss in the National Football League this year, who might that be? Now, I know you kind of got to go through the schedule, but when you think about some of the more competitive teams, the last team – to absorb a loss this year. In other words, go undefeated until to be the last team to get beat this season. Who might that be? Huh. Not looking at any of the schedules and going mostly off the top of my head. Right. Feel like I'd say the Buffalo Bills. Uh close. They are number three at thirteen to two. Thirteen to two. Uh the Chargers are the top team. Now, I have not looked at their schedule, but i got to think it's based upon their schedule by, by who their opponents are. Followed by the Buccaneers, the Bills, the Broncos, and then the Packers at 10-1. to 1. The Broncos, with the addition of Russell Wilson, getting a lot of love. So that's the way things go to the top five. Cowboys at number six, Chiefs at number seven, Rams at number eight, Baltimore Ravens number nine, and Philadelphia Eagles tied with the Ravens at 16-1. to 1. Right there at number nine with the Colts at number 10. So that's the way the top 10 shakes out. And then it kind of goes down from there. 49ers, Vikings, Bengals, Browns, all that kind of stuff. Now the team to get the, the, the their very first win this season, the longest to get a win this season, who might that be when you start to think about the bad side of things for the National Football League? The Texans. Close again. They're number three. The Atlanta Falcons come in at 9-2, followed by the Chicago Bears, then the Texans, then the Seahawks, Panthers, Giants, Jets, Steelers, and then the Detroit Lions. Jaguars, Browns, Raiders, Dolphins, Commanders, and then Vikings and such go up from there midway point. But, yeah, the Bears at number two, a team that would be 
uh, a, a kind of a safe bet, five to one, if you say they might be the last team in the NFL to actually get a win this season. So that's the way things shake out. So coming up Friday night, uh, obviously the Green Bay Packers taking on the San Francisco 49ers. We're going to have it all for you coming up on Monday. We're going to talk about it, break down everything. Uh, going on today, by the way, bottom of the third night right now, the Brewers over the uh, Tampa Bay Rays, 2-1. to 2-1 to one right now, bottom of the third. Uh, Willie Adamas at the plate. So hopefully the Brewers get the win. They get the two-game sweep. And then the schedule gets really tough. So we'll talk about that coming up on Monday as well. Tomorrow you got Ben Kenny and company tomorrow, and then on Friday we'll be back on Monday. So until we chat again, from Sturgis, South Dakota, thanks to all of our friends here at the Pappy Hoyle Campground. Thanks to Sterling, uh, who did yeoman's work in getting us hooked up with the Internet and taking care of our on-site broadcasts out here. Thanks to Trevor, our engineer. He is nothing short of fantastic in giving us the kit to come out here and get the job done. Thanks to him for being a part of uh, our staff as well because he's done yeoman's work. So appreciate it. Until we we talk again, time for us to go. Have a going. See you. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.